Pastor Ray Bentley reveals God's plan for divine revelation. Divine truth comes to the humble. Divine truth is not for the elite or the wealthy or the powerful. Divine revelation comes to the simple. He wants truth to be practical, hands-on, real, and yet at the same time, deeply profound. Spread the news of His people coming down before the King. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming, join the song. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. The Bible is God's love letter to us. It's not a puzzle meant to confuse us. God wants His message to come through to us, no matter if we're a rocket scientist or a kindergartner. And today, Pastor Ray helps us access this divine revelation the Lord has given us. Let's listen now as Pastor Ray begins. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 24. We're going to talk about revelation, divine revelation, how God communicates to us, how He speaks to us. And there is, it is different than the accumulation of, of merely human wisdom or human knowledge or human intellect. There are things that are spiritually revealed, especially when you come to the Bible. This book is unlike any other book that you have. This book is alive because it's the Word of God. And when you read it with a heart of faith and the Holy Spirit ministers to you and speaks to you and, and He reveals things to you, and we're going to talk tonight about that divine revelation. In fact, what we learned tonight is that Jesus, he was filled with overwhelming joy at the way the Father reveals divine secrets and supernatural revelations. Okay, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse uh, 17. I want to go back just a moment. Jesus originally had sent out 12 and then he later sent out 70. And um, he was making disciples. Tonight, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. <laughs> and I am glad that you are here and that you're ready to listen and to learn and to grow. But I am seeking disciples. That's who the Lord is interested in, are those who want to be disciples. That means that there you are willing to accept a challenge, to go beyond merely believing in the gospel and yes, embracing Christ and receiving forgiveness and, and knowing that you're saved. There is a, a call to discipleship and in that word discipleship is discipline. And that means uh, you pick up your cross daily, dying to yourself, willing to follow the Lord, walking with him and going deeper with him and growing in him. Well, Jesus had discipled 12. Then he sent out the 70. And these guys, the 70, is where we read they came back and they were just so on fire. They were so excited because the Lord had given them authority. He had given them power to 
cast out devils. He had given them power and authority to lay hands upon people in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, and to heal them of their sicknesses. He had given them uh, the message of the kingdom to preach, and, and the message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, that, and to repent means to stop and turn around, go, go toward God. Don't try to build your kingdom here on earth. And, and so the, the contrast, if you build your kingdom on earth, you need mammon, you need money. And it's all about money and how to get money and how to keep your money and how to make more money. So that's the one God. And, and so it's either mammon or it's the Lord God and trusting in him. There was a time when Israel, you know, with Moses, uh, they... Moses had gone only for 40 days. He's up on the mountain having this divine encounter with, with God Almighty and the cloud and the fire and the Ten Commandments. 40 days, okay, 40 days is a long time in one sense, but in another sense, after 400 years of slavery, it's not that long, and they grew impatient. And what did they do? They, they forced Aaron or they talked Aaron into melting their little gold trinkets and making a golden calf. So Moses comes down the mountain. He's just had this holy time with God. There he is shining, you know, and, and uh, he comes down, and he sees the golden calf and he throws the tablets down. You, you know, there he is looking like Charlton Heston, throwing it down, just disgusted. And you know what? I don't know if you noticed, but do you remember what God made them do to the golden calf? Have you been reading through your Bibles here again, going through the word? He made, he made him just to, to melt it down and break it down and turn it into dust, mix it with water and drink it. How's that for your God? You like money that much? Then drink it and see how it does for you. And he, he just it destroyed it, turned it through their own bodies into waste. And so in many ways, has God maybe touched our own golden calf or money that we have trusted in and said, hey, you know, my people who will now finally come to me and seek me, that's what I desire. These 70 were, were saying, repent, don't live for this world, don't live for this, you know, earthly worldliness. Seek the Lord, the Messiah is coming, the kingdom is coming. And I believe that message is the same today. The message of the hour is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I am telling you, we are that far away from eternity. We're that way far away from the kingdom of heaven. And I mean that even if the Lord were to tarry and, and we all make it to be whatever, 85, even 90 years old, that's gonna be like that. It's gonna be over. It's like a blade of grass. You're here to, today, you are gone tomorrow. I mean, we are, we are closing in on eternity. And I believe that the Lord may preempt that, whether by rapture or just by his coming glory anyway. So if ever there was a time where we needed to hear the Spirit and fall upon our knees and humble ourselves and seek the Lord and really pray through to where you connect with the living God and are on fire for him. These guys came back excited over joy. They said, man, even the demons obeyed us. And you remember what Jesus said to them, don't delight in that, don't rejoice in that, but that your names are written in heaven. So look with me in verse 17. It says, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. These guys had experienced individual victories as they went from village to village and city to city. But Jesus saw these individual victories in a larger setting, in a larger spiritual battle in which Satan was being dethroned as well as defeated. And I want you to know that every victory that you have in Christ, even though you may feel personally, but who am I? And I'm so small and and, uh, I may feel that I am so weak, yet we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And the truth is that each individual victory is important to the Lord, no matter how insignificant it may seem to you. And cumulatively, God is doing great and mighty things. And uh, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And we need to know, and, and in fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's not that we're to go out and defeat Satan. Satan is already defeated, past tense, 2,000 years ago. He's already been defeated by Jesus Christ. And that's why I put into your notes, I think you have it, Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15, from your notes. Let's read it out loud. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That's the cross. The world looks and says, oh, Jesus got humiliated on the cross. The Holy Spirit says through the Apostle Paul, no, Jesus bore sin and it was sin that was humiliated on the cross. The curse was humiliated on the cross. Death was humiliated on the cross. Satan was disarmed, principalities and powers were disarmed and made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. The cross is the triumph. The cross is the glory of God. The cross, which is foolishness to the world, is the wisdom of God. It is the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Satan has, it's not that, you know, Armageddon defeats him or even the second coming defeats him. He is already defeated and has been for 2,000 years. Jesus has just been waiting to take possession of that he already bought and purchased with his own blood 2,000 years ago because God, not willing that any should perish, has been waiting patiently for every season and every generation, whoever will come and call on the name of the Lord can be saved. And God, his love is going out to all nations and to all continents and to all the world, wooing and winning people to faith before the final judgment comes so that people can be spared. God is not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance and the knowledge of His Son. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. Pastor Ray was such a devoted servant of the Most High God and is now in the presence of his best friend and Savior, Jesus Christ. He ran the race and finished the course set before him. My love to the Bentley family and to Maranatha Ministries. Pastor Ray's teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website, www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Look with me in verse 21. We'll pick up where we left off then. So he says, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Verse 21, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. And that word is, it is rejoice, but the word is hard to translate. It's, um, he bubbled over, he overflowed. Joy exploded within him at that moment. In the spirit. It's almost like Jesus had to just yield to this compulsion to pray, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. To whom is given divine revelation. What is Jesus rejoicing in? What is he so excited about? What is he so filled with happiness about? He is marveling at his Father's glory and delight and wisdom in revealing supernatural divine secrets to simple people. And that those who were the wise and those who were the brains and those who were the intellects and those who were the culture makers and the influencers and the rich and famous, as we would say, they didn't get it. They didn't see it. He rejoiced in that. And may I say, it is possible to read the Bible and yet not hear the word of the Lord. It is possible to know and read Greek, to understand and interpret the original Hebrew language, to be an expert in history and theology, to have a doctor of divinity, to be called by the world a biblical scholar, to be in fact a person of name and reputation and renown, a scholar called upon by others to see what the Bible might mean, and yet at the same time be one who has actually lost their faith along the way of studying and research and divine wisdom and philosophy and humanly standing over the Bible and judging it and what is real and what is not and what is to be believed and what is not and what is to be thrown out and what is to be kept and literally end up being an agnostic who no longer necessarily believes there is a heaven or there is a hell or that Jesus really is the divine revelation of God. It is possible to be that and there are unfortunately a vast number of them, and then they write books, and they have their titles and their degrees, and they sell lots of copies, and they are looked up to, and with all their puffiness and being puffed up, and yet they have no knowledge of God. 
They have no real genuine experience of the Holy Spirit. They have no relationship. There's no dynamic. There's no power. There's no spirit. There's no miracles in their life. There's no evidence of a, of a relationship with God at all. It's tragic and it's sad. Why? Jesus tells us in verse 21. It's for a very simple reason. God Almighty, the Creator, all you have to, if you forget, how big is God? Go outside of a building, look up into the sky, whether day or night, and look at the vastness of the universe. And it's mind-boggling, mind-boggling. And what we know today helps us, used to people for thousands of years just looked up with their naked eye and were overwhelmed. Now, you know, you can look and we can look to the edges of other galaxies and universes and pictures and it's just, it is overwhelming, it's amazing. And look at that. That God, who is now desirous to be your father, has designed that secrets, divine revelation comes to the simple. Divine truth comes to the humble. Divine truth is not for the elect or the elite or the wealthy or the smart or the powerful. It's, it's at the bottom, as it were, shelf. Little children, in fact, are the ones that he reveals these secrets. And, and Jesus, this wasn't just a fact that Jesus laid as another truth along the way of discipleship. He stopped and was excited about it and prayed about it and rejoiced in it because he saw all the guys that looked so holy and had the robes and they had the credentials and who were looking down their nose at him saying, we don't think you qualify. And he was the Messiah. And who, who sees it? You know, the cussing fisherman named Peter and a couple of brothers and a tax collector and some prostitutes and, and all these losers in the eyes of the religious community and the elite. And they saw divine truth that the prophets had only prophesied about in ancient times. They didn't just receive a prophecy about the Messiah, they saw him in the flesh and they believed in him and they witnessed his glory and they heard his voice and they were touched by him and healed by him and delivered by him and walked with him and knew him. I I'm jealous of those guys. How many of you would not mind going and being with Jesus for three and a half years, 2,000 years ago? Would that be amazing? Oh, I would love that. This was a cause of tremendous joy for Jesus personally in his own spirit. And uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 29, Paul mentions that to the Corinthians, who, you know, Corinth, a city of Greece, a pretty smart, well-educated people. But here's what Paul says. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You know, it's interesting that um, John chapter seven, verse 48, some of the people, this is what, how they reason. They said, okay, well, wow, he's amazing. He does miracles. Nobody has ever talked like him, but have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? 
If he really is of God, and if he really is of the Holy Spirit, and if he really is the Messiah, then have any of our, you know, those that we look up to, have they accepted him? Now the answer to that question would be, yes, there were Pharisees who believed. There were, there was a Joseph of Arimathea, there was a Nicodemus, but they were not the majority. They were a minority. But they were basically by their attitude saying, and maybe in our generation we'd say, well, you know, are all the intellectuals uh, saying that, you know, Christianity is the way? Are all the, the brightest people in the world? Are, are all the scientists? Are all the, well, no, not all. Some. Some scientists, some philosophers, some that are really, really smart. <laughs> and yet, because of their tenderness and their humility of heart, no matter how smart they are, how many doctorates they have, they go, you know what? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's all I need to know. Amen? Amen. And you know what? Here's what I want to tell you too. I, I love being simple. I don't, I don't like, you know, when it's all complicated and you've got to, you know, be, a, you know, a brainiac or you've got an extra large head because your brain is so big because you're so stinking smart. I'm glad that I just have a normal size head with a normal pea brain <laughs> and that I'm a kind of a simple guy. There are some places that in, in teaching the Bible, the goal of the pastor is to speak actually above the heads of those who are listening to impress them with how much he knows. So that they walk out and they go, wow, I didn't even understand what he was saying. That was amazing. <laughs> but it doesn't change their life. What good does it do for me to impress you with things that I have learned or read or know? That's not life to you and does nothing but you know, feed ego, maybe for me. And that's not what my Father in heaven desires. He wants truth to be practical, hands-on, real, and yet at the same time, deeply profound, deeply wise, deeply intelligent, deeply brilliant, deeply passionate and intense. Too often the wise and learned think that their superior knowledge gives them some spiritual advantage, but Jesus says, not so. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Sometimes when you look at the rich and famous and that are on the TVs and the movies and the stars and all the rest, wow, how come not many of them are, you know, following the Lord? Some are, but many that are not. Well, now you know why. Because God designed it this way. Pastor Ray Bentley with interesting insights today about God's revelation, how it's for everyday folks like you and me. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled Divine Revelation. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. 
In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, including his brand new one, The Final Witness, and The Cyrus Mandate, both page-turning prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. You'll see End Times Prophecy in a whole new light. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.